Patty Atkins thought the married man she fell for was the one, even though she was number two. She had mentioned that his marriage wasn't what he had dreamt it was going to be. She believed that she was going to have a relationship with him after he left his wife, that she was happy and that's what she wanted. So when Patty revealed a clandestine plan to hide in his pickup truck so they could secretly leave work and get away for a week alone in a remote cabin, her sister, Marsha, was skeptical. When you found that out, what's your opinion of this? If at that point he was supposed to be leaving his wife, why did she still need to hide? She told me how much she trusted him. She said to me he would never harm a hair on my head. The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh. I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Guys, welcome to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shea. And that is Rory May. And with me also is the beautiful, the lovely. And covered in baby food, I just realized Annie Weebs. And now you guys know why it's so difficult to do a podcast and parent at the same time. She has so much to say already. We're thinking about getting a third mic and putting her on it. I mean, you're just going to have to deal with it, I guess. She's got a lot to say. She'd be a great third chair, I think. So, I think yeah. she would be a great third chair. Welcome, everybody, to the show. I listened to this podcast called Murder, Myth, and Mystery, and one of their chairs, Sarah, uh, she has kids, and she talks about the difficulties of raising her kids while you're also doing podcasting. Sarah, I feel your pain because our chatterbox will not be quiet today. So yeah, this is what, this is the new thing that she's got going on. And sorry, we're going to digress and talk about our little infant daughter here. She's got all these toys. Her, her glamma, as we call her, she, she buys all these toys for Rory. And her favorite new toy is a plastic Perrier bottle. A water bottle. Garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not garbage. Has, I mean, she plays with it. It's a plastic thousands bottle. thousands of dollars worth of toys in her room and she plays with a garbage bottle. Yeah. It's, so <laughs> this morning I was doing laundry so I took one of Annie's socks that I was doing laundry and I tied it to the side of her F1 pink F-150. She has her walker and I stuffed the bottle in the sock so that the tip of it's sticking out so she can chew on the top of it. And she was content as can be. So now we make little drunk driving jokes. It's terrible. We're the worst it's parents We are. Ever. We're terrible parents. <laughs> and it's it's not funny because it's, it's a, you know, we're not promoting drinking and driving no. by any means. But it's just the fact that she's going around like all over the place in this 
in this walker and she's got this bottle in her mouth and it's like, whoa, Rory, slow down. This I mean, is it's parenting in our late 30s, right? Oh, yeah. My first child, your second child. Things are totally different. So, yeah, our kid plays with garbage and drives around while we um, talk about her open carrying in the... the uh, Not only that, she's sitting there and she like has to listen to us watch like hell gear and talk about aliens and then talk about murder. She's going to be very open-minded. She's going to be pretty. And well-versed. I mean, we're weird, so she's probably (laughs) going to be just as weird as us. So Probably. The best part of the day is when we both stand there and dance in front of her and she like looks at us like, you guys are insane. Like, what are you doing? She already looks at us like we're idiots and she's eight months old. But anyway, Annie, like, you know, we're here, we're back, we're ready for another episode so, well, and you don't know what we're talking about this I week, right? I have no clue what I like we're talking when we about. Do this. See, you know what? It, it's kind of a cool thing, but at the same time, I'm going insane, and you know why I'm going insane. We're both kind of going insane. So yeah. we're doing this research into something, and we're we stumbled. I'm just going to give you a little hint. We stumbled on these weird connections of this case we're working on, and we have to go day to day doing it because one day Annie will go down the wormhole, and then she's got to take a break. So I pick up where she left off, where I look at a different side of it. And I go down this wormhole, and then she takes over from me, and it's just, it, it, it literally drives you insane, this stuff we're looking at. We brought in one of our friends to help us out, and I don't know, we're finding all this weird stuff, and it's, guys, it's not going to be out for a while, but it's connected to what we're working on, this bonus episode we're putting out for you, and yeah. it's it's connected to that, and guys, it's we're pulling our hair out. Looking at future weeks, we may have to take a couple of weeks off from the regular podcast because it's taking up so much time putting this together. And so it's like we're trying to put in regular episodes of the podcast in between in between this intensive research that we're doing for this other story that we have no idea where it's going to lead. So just hold tight. If that happens, we'll make an announcement on our social media because if we get this finished, if it becomes what we want it to become, I it's going to be a game changer for us. It's just one of them things where you start making these connections and you stop and you're like, am I crazy? Is this really happening? And then you make another connection and you're like, oh, this this has got to be legit. So I don't know. I was talking to one of our friends last night about the guy we got brought in and and he feels the same way and he's on board with it. So yeah, so we'll we'll let you guys know any changes that come about in the regular episodes. But Annie, what do you got for us today? Okay, so today's story is something we're actually going back to your hometown, close to your hometown of Columbus, Ohio. This story actually I got from a really good article and video from True Crime Daily. Do you know who hosts that, Shay? Oh, my buddy, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen did this story along with another website called ChillingCrimes.com. They were my main sources for today. We are talking about the disappearance of Patty Adkins. Single mom Patty Atkins vanishes in the middle of the night, and her family fears the worst. I trusted Patty that she knew this man. You don't think the worst is going to happen. You don't think that's the last time that you're going to speak to your little sister. Investigators piece together a disturbing picture of her life. There's something wrong here. It just makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. She had said there can't be any paper trail of the money. But will detectives get the break they need to unravel the mystery? We checked airlines. We checked passports. We found no evidence of her just taking off. Patty's loved ones wait for some sign of her, hoping it's not too late. I don't think she would run away. Nothing would keep her from her daughter. There's no one who could convince me of that. 
29-year-old Patty Adkins seemed to have it all. A beautiful young daughter, a successful career with a promise of promotion, and financial independence. But Patty also had a secret, a secret that might have led to her disappearance, and according to her family, her murder. This is the disappearance of Patty Adkins. It's June 29, 2001, and Patty Adkins is living a quiet life in Marysville, Ohio. Marysville is a small town 27 miles northwest of Columbus in Union County. Marysville is known for its Honda automotive plant, which is where Patty worked at the time of her disappearance. Patty had worked at Honda for 10 years, had received several promotions, and was up for another shortly before she vanished. Patty was divorced and lived with her seven-year-old daughter, McKaylee. June 29th was a special day because it was the last day of work before the annual shutdown, where the plant would completely close down for a week, giving all of its employees a long 4th of July holiday. Patty's shift was 3.30 p.m. to midnight. This vacation was special for another reason. You remember me saying that Patty had a secret. Patty's secret was that she had a boyfriend. And not just any boyfriend. Patty's boyfriend was also an employee at the Honda plant. Patty's boyfriend was also married with a family. And Patty had just recently told her sisters about her secret. Of course, her sisters were not thrilled about this relationship. But Patty said she was in love. She said they were in love. In fact, she said her boyfriend was planning on leaving his wife and his kids just to be with her. The only thing they were waiting on was for him to gain his own financial stability. You'll hear me refer to Patty's boyfriend just as boyfriend throughout this podcast. And if you don't figure it out on your own before it's over, I'll explain to you why at the end. The shutdown vacation was very special because it was their very first romantic getaway. Patty told her sister, Marsha, that they were leaving right after work on June 29th for a cabin in Canada. Marysville to the Canadian border was just about a three-hour drive. Patty had arranged for McKaylee to spend half of the week with her dad and then the second half of, her, of the week with her sister, Marsha. Patty said they had worked out all the details of the trip. Patty planned to board her cat at the local kennel. McKaylee was going to be taken care of by her dad and by Marsha. Patty's boyfriend even told her that it wasn't necessary to pack anything for this trip. He said that everything would be available to them in Canada when they got there. Patty told her sister that she would be back on Sunday, July 8th, but not to worry if she didn't hear from her because there wouldn't be phone service anywhere they went. She said if she had the option to check in that she would call from a payphone somewhere along the way. The biggest complication that they had was leaving work unseen together. They worked the same shift and they both finished at midnight on June 29th. But she said they had it worked out. Patty didn't want to leave her car in the parking lot at Honda because she knew that if she was spotted there throughout the week, someone would know that something was up. But she couldn't just climb in her boyfriend's truck and leave out with him. Number one, they couldn't be seen together. And number two, the boyfriend carpooled with another employee. So they devised a plan. Days before the vacation, Boyfriend told Patty that he had purchased a tonneau cover for the truck. A tonneau cover is a bed cover that goes over top of the truck, sometimes hard shell, sometimes one that you just roll out. Patty's plan was to check out right at 12. 
hide under the tonneau cover in the bed of the truck until the boyfriend dropped off his carpool buddy. Then they were on to their romantic Canadian vacation. And it seems that Patty did just that. 19 seconds after midnight, Patty clocked out, left Honda, and was never seen again. A week went by. It's Sunday, July 8th now, and by midday when she doesn't return home, Marcia starts to worry. Marcia knows that she'd never just not show up for McKaylee. She would call if something was wrong. Marcia began calling Patty's house at 12.30 p.m. No answer. She called frequently throughout the afternoon, still no answer. By that evening, Marcia was panicked, and she decided to make a bold move. She called Patty's boyfriend's house. On the first try, the boyfriend's wife answers. Marcia pretends to be a potential customer. Boyfriend moonlighted as a mechanic and he worked his cars on a side job. So Marcia pretended to have a car that needed to be repaired. The boyfriend's wife said he wasn't home and asked Marcia to try back again later. Marcia called back at 5 p.m. and this time, boyfriend answered. Marcia explained who she was, said that she knew about the relationship with Patty and the vacation, and she wanted to know where Patty was. Boyfriend denies even knowing Patty. When Marcia presses on, then he plays dumb and says, oh, I know Patty, she works at Honda, right? This conversation lasts for 15 minutes but was going nowhere, so Marcia hung up on him. Marcia said when she hung up the phone, she knew that something was wrong. In fact, in that instant, she said she knew that her sister was dead. Marcia waited and called boyfriend back at 3 a.m. Boyfriend's wife answers and Marcia spills her guts, telling his wife of his and Patty's relationship, the vacation, she told her everything she knew. She talked to his wife for 15 minutes before she handed the phone over to the boyfriend again, who was still denying everything. The next morning, Marcia calls police to report Patty missing. The police go to Patty's house and find her car still parked in the driveway and everything inside intact. No reason to believe anything had happened inside the house. Marcia is insistent still that Patty would never leave McKaylee. It's at this point that Monica tells police another extremely disturbing factor about Patty and her boyfriend's relationship. Patty had been lending him money. Patty had told her sisters that she had borrowed cash against her 401k at Honda and had been helping her boyfriend become financially stable, but with the agreement that he had to pay her back, and soon. If she didn't repay the borrowed money to her 401k by July, she would take a penalty on it. Patty said just before the vacation, she had told her boyfriend that the time was coming up to pay. When the police began to investigate Patty's accounts, they determined that, between the withdrawals from her 401k and cash withdrawals from her bank account, Patty had taken out $90,000 over the course of the past year. $90,000 that was now missing, just like Patty. So the thing that aggravates me the most about this whole scenario is it's definitely comes down to the dude's guilty. I mean, he was the last one known to see her. Well, I guess it really wasn't known because she made plans to be with him. So it really wasn't known if she ever made it to his truck or not. But, I mean, come on. 
The guy's denying that he had anything to do with her. So you can't say that he is definitely guilty. And we'll get into the details why in a little bit. Yes, he looks very guilty. He looks very guilty by not coughing up all of this information and being honest with the police and with Patty's family. Well, he got busted. I mean, he he got busted. So he's trying to cover his tracks. He is trying to cover his tracks. And what bothers me about it the most is that, you know, we've all been in relationships like that where all of your friends and family look at you and you're like, is this really the best choice for you? But you're in love and hindsight's 2020 and you don't think about it in that moment. But $90,000 is an insane amount. That's a lot of money. It is insane. And her sisters didn't well, even know that it was that much. That's what I mean. That's the motive behind it because now he's got to pay her back that money and he's got to explain to his wife where all this money goes. And instead of just being honest and being like, yeah, I'm cheating on you. To the tune of $90,000. To the tune of $90,000. What's the other, you know, thing he can do is just get rid of her. Patty's sisters dish out all of the details of her disappearance to the police. Everything that they felt was wrong with this romantic vacation from the beginning. Everything from boyfriend telling her not to pack any of her belongings, to the escape plan in the back of his truck, and now all of this missing cash. In fact, after Patty vanished, the sisters took a closer look through Patty's house and found several $100 denomination money bands hidden in the closet. Was Patty saving all these money bands so that she could keep track of how much she had loaned to her boyfriend? The police decided it was time to pay the boyfriend a visit and ask some questions. Her boyfriend again denied even knowing Patty. When questioned of his whereabouts on the night of June 29th, he stated that when he and his carpool buddy left work, they drove 35 minutes from the Honda plant to the boyfriend's house, stopping at a Burger King along the way. It's there, he claimed, that they got held up for 45 minutes in the busy Burger King drive-thru. The boyfriend's wife said that he had arrived home at about 2.30 that morning. The police went to the Burger King that the boyfriend said he had been held up at and spoke with the manager. The manager said that on the night in question, between midnight and 1.30 a.m., they had only done $18 in sales. There was no way that with $18 in sales, anyone should have had a 45-minute wait in the drive-thru. Well, I've been to some Burger Kings. I've waited a long time, and I was the only one in line. I mean, probably that day that I told you when I, I was pregnant in a Burger King drive-through. You were in Burger King drive-through. I, was, I wasn't. That's a whole other story. Yeah, that's a side story. Annie told me she was pregnant while I was sitting in Burger King drive-through. <laughs> that's true. And the lady was on the speaker, and I was like, "Can you hold on a second? But I mean. I, I guess it's possible that it could have been maybe not 45 minutes, but he may have waited if he went. But that's the other whole part of these stories of these people who, who do this. They tell these lies and be like, yeah, 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 you know, and like the cops aren't going to verify it. What do they think? Like just going to take his word for it and be like, oh, yeah, well, he, you know, was, he probably got held up. Just makes up some bullshit story. Hell, I was at Burger King for 45 minutes. Well, they're not going to check. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, I'm going to I'm going to outsmart the cops here. Come on, dude. <laughs> Come on. Another focal point for the police became the boyfriend's truck. Patty's sisters had told police of the plan to stow away in the bed of the truck 
But since no one actually saw her climb in, did she even make it to the truck that night? The police asked to search the truck and found that the tonneau cover was now missing. Receipts showed that the boyfriend had bought the tonneau cover on June 29th, the very day that Patty disappeared. Her boyfriend now said that he had purchased the cover for a fishing trip that he had taken and removed it because he no longer needed it. Police confiscated the cover and sent it in for forensic testing. One minuscule drop of blood was found, but the sample was so small that it could not lend any conclusive results. But they did find another sample, one that they felt definitively linked Patty to the bed of that truck after the tonneau cover was placed on June 29th. They found a cat hair. And not just any cat hair. The hair sample matched Patty's cat, the one that she had boarded at the kennel the day she disappeared. Police returned to the boyfriend's house to search for any other clues to Patty's disappearance. Police found a phone and a t-shirt that Patty's sister said she had given him as gifts. Patty's boyfriend now says that Patty had given him a birthday card one year, but that he had ripped it up and thrown it away so his wife wouldn't find it. Then there was the letter. Police found a letter that Patty had written to her boyfriend, stating how much she wanted to be with him and begin their life together. Upon searching through the boyfriend's bank accounts, no large cash deposits were ever made that could link the $90,000 to him. So I may offend some people here with what I'm about to say. I'm not a truck owner. I used to own a truck. But I think if you put a tonneau cover on your truck, it's basically to go get groceries. I mean, who who wants to put a cover <laughs> on the bed of their pickup truck for one? Well, they. I mean, a lot of people use them for protecting whatever is in the back there. Okay, well, what's so- the point of putting one on? You know what I mean? It's like, what, what's really the point? But that's besides the, the point of the matter is when he was trying to conceal something and he put it on the same day, got it and put it on the same day that she went missing. It's it's a little suspect, you know what I mean? And then he removes it. Right, and then he just What, what happened off. to it? Right, I, I don't know. He just, he said he didn't need it anymore after this fishing trip, so he took it off. So he was, a, so I, that's probably the story that he told his wife when he was going on probably, a fishing trip. Right. And that was the plan to get away, you know, to either dispose of her body or he actually did have a trip planned with her and something went awry. He looks guilty to me. I'm sorry. We'll be back after this short break. Hey guys, I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. We are the host of Hillbilly Horror Stories. What we do every week is we tell you mostly paranormal stories, and then we throw in a couple of uh, unsolved mysteries, maybe a little bit of true crime if it's creepy enough. And the beauty of this is that Tracy doesn't know the show, correct? This is correct. Never do. So then what happens when you don't know the show... I'm just as surprised as anybody else is. And that's the beauty of what our show is. We basically get the same reactions out of Tracy as what the listener at home is getting. And I think that's been a success to our show so far. Yeah, I think it works. We also use our show to promote mental health awareness and suicide awareness every show. So we get the added bonus of trying to help people out while you get to listen to paranormal shows. Amen. And that's what's important to us. So please subscribe to Hillbilly Horror Stories wherever you listen to your other podcasts. Hey 
there, I'm Erin. And I'm Heather. And we're the hosts of a weekly podcast called That Would Go Good with Vodka, where we discuss murder, mystery, and mayhem. We are based out of the Lower Peninsula of the Mitten State and do a lot of local stories, but are not strangers to traveling every now and then when we feel the desire to do so. We tend to be on the relaxed side of things and bring levity to darker situations at times, but if you give us a chance, we promise that you will always leave with a little bit of knowledge and interest in a crime that you might not have known about before. That would go good with vodka, available wherever you get your podcasts. I used to feel alone, awkward, and self-conscious. I felt as if I was walking down an endless road leading nowhere. I suffered from deep depression, and I couldn't shake the pain. Soon I would catch myself having thoughts of suicide. I ached in pain for someone to come and help and tell me everything's alright. As I drifted off into my daily thoughts of emptiness, someone stepped in and reached out. They told me they were there for me. I later realized in a world this big, there will always be someone to confide in. I'm so thankful someone came to my rescue and made me feel loved. You do not have to suffer alone. Be the difference in someone's life and don't let another beautiful life be wasted. Don't wait until it's too late. Know the signs. Give light to someone in need. If you know someone who is suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. It's now been 19 years since Patty Adkins disappeared. Although her boyfriend was questioned due to a lack of evidence, he has never been officially named as a suspect, and that's why his name has never been mentioned in any news articles, including this episode. The Union County Sheriff's Department has been in charge of her case since July 10, 2001, and states that, even though Patty has been declared legally dead by the courts, it is still an open case. In June of 2016, Marsha was interviewed by NBC station WCMH in Ohio and stated, quote, I don't have any hope that my sister is alive. I knew when she didn't return that she wasn't alive. But I have hope that justice will happen, that someone will be held accountable for her death." Patty Atkins would now be 48 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5'8 and weighed 120 pounds. She had sandy blonde hair and hazel eyes. One distinguishing factor was a tattoo of a blue, green, and peach flower on her lower back. If you have any information on the disappearance of Patty Atkins, you can place an anonymous call to the Union County Sheriff's Department Crime Tip Hotline at 937-642-4126. I don't understand if it's an open case and this guy was not technically a suspect, but he was a person of interest. Well, I mean, why did, why did they never put his name in the media? You see that all the time with people of interest. Their names are out there. I don't know. And they did a really good job concealing this guy's name because with all of the websites that I went through to kind of collect all of this information, I never saw that man's name mentioned anywhere. I didn't go down the Reddit hole. You know, I don't really like to do that because it's not the most reliable information. 
even, okay, so on that True Crime Daily um, website, the one that Chris Hansen hosts, there is a reporter there that goes to his house and when they so the find report, him, they, they knew who, who he was. They knew who he was. They go to his house and he's outside in his garage area and they blur his face. They don't show him. They don't say his name. And when the reporter kind of stops him at the door, she says who she's with. And the only thing he says is, I've been advised by my attorneys not to talk to anyone. And he shuts the door in her face. But they even blurred his face out there. So he's got some, he knows somebody. Or he's got powerful parents or something like that, that that kept his name or threatened legal action if his name was ever put in the media. So, I mean, it's just, it's insane that they, you know, are able to keep somebody's name out of the media. And, and I get it. Maybe, you know, you're not 100% guilty, but as time goes on, it just looks like there's nobody else that could possibly have done this. And you have motive. I mean, he has the only, the only person that's around that has motive. He owed her $90,000, and he maybe, was cheating right. cheating on his wife with this woman, maybe. That was confirmed, that he was cheating, yeah. yes. And so, like, he he had he has motive. He has motive to do it, and it just sucks that you can't even know his name. Coincidentally, not long after Patty's disappearance, he also left his job at Honda. So I don't know if people there were pointing fingers and asking questions, but he left all of that behind. Something else that I thought was interesting that I didn't find on any of the websites that I read through um, was the story of the carpool buddy who was with him that night. If they really sat in the Burger King drive-thru for 45 minutes, that guy would be able to back up that story, not all we were in and out in 10 minutes. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know who that guy was and and what his answer was to that question. There's so many holes in the story and they just, you know, we don't know how good of investigation they actually did. But it sounds to me there's somebody involved who has connections for him to just have his name completely dropped. And yeah, that's that's a valid point. Like this dude was with him in the car, supposedly. And he could vouch for the 45 minute Burger King like, you know, go to Pickerington, Ohio, about. 40 minutes to the south, and yeah, there's a Burger King there that it takes about an hour when you're the only one in the parking lot, but if somebody else is in the car, he can vouch for that. They left work at midnight. It was a 35-minute drive from uh, the Honda plant to where the boyfriend lived. The wife says that he didn't arrive until 2.30 that morning, so you've got two and a half hours worth of time there. You're talking an hour, an hour and 10 minutes at most of drive time. Let's say they even sat in the Burger King drive through for a half an hour. That's an exaggeration. They're still missing time there. Yeah, without a doubt. So this guy's, I mean, he's got connections. He's got some connections and that's why he's never been charged and his name's not out there. Either that or it's one of those cases where the police are withholding some really important clues so that if anything ever com- comes about from it, um, you know, it's not something that they've put out in media that people are just regurgitating back to them. They're like, okay, they know this detail. They know something yeah, about her disappearance. But at the same time, lot, the media right? knows his name. They're just not allowed to put it out there. I mean, Crime Watch Daily went to this guy's house because they knew who he was, but yeah, they weren't they allowed to show his face. So they right. know who he is, but there's something in you know, a gag order or something like that, that permits them from saying who he is. And that's what I mean. He's got connections somehow, some way. Maybe he's just got a really good attorney that says, I'll sue the pants off of you if you say his name. 
that could be the thing too. And and the Hana plant up there, I mean, it's it's a pretty big, you know, it's a pretty big employ employment place. I mean, a lot of people work there. Right. I've known a lot of people who work there. I actually worked a temporary job there for about a month, and then I went down to Reynoldsburg in Colum- the Columbus area. But it's a it's a huge huge uh, employer in that area. So Shay, that is the disappearance of. Patty Adkins, any further thoughts on that case? I mean, it's just one of them cases. It's still open. It's still active. I don't even know if it's active investigation. It's probably cold at this point, but it's sad for the family. And, 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 and you know, if I was in that family too, I would 100% bet my life, bet my savings account that this guy is involved. He's the guy who did this. And it sucks that you sit there and you can see that justice hasn't been served for your sister, for your mother, for your friend and you know who the guy is and you know that he's a scavatz basically and he's got away with murder. On True Crime Daily, they also interviewed McKaylee, who's now 26 or 27 years old. And she turned into a very well-spoken young woman. Whoever raised her, you know, kudos to them, whether it was her dad or, or Patty's family or a mix of, you know, in between And when they asked her what she hoped for this, she said, I just want a conclusion to this story. I I just want to know what happened to my mom and why. And it's so sad. You hear her say it like so many of these other families of missing persons where they say, you'll never have closure. There is no such thing as closure in these stories. The best that you can hope for is a conclusion and to know what actually happened to them. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's like they say, knowing is half the battle, and that's that's all of it. Yeah, there's never going to be a rest. You're never going to be able to fill that void, that hole in your heart, but at least you know why. Knowing is half the battle is what G.I. Joe said. <laughs> but it's the truth. <laughs> I guess so. It, it's the truth, right? I mean, knowing is half the battle, and if you know, you can at least have some form of be able to move on in your life, but not knowing why just makes it, it's like that, just the agitation, the anxiety is always there in your heart. And it's like, you know, not only did you lose somebody that you love and care about, but they're gone and you don't know why. Agreed. Agreed. It's a crazy case. It's crazy that it's never been solved. It's crazy that there was never anything to link boyfriend or anybody else to this crime. So if you have any information you can call that number. I'll give it again. It's the Union County Sheriff's Department Crime Tip Hotline, 937-642-4126. Yeah, I was going to say, go ahead and give that out again. And like, guys, anything. You, it said you can remain anonymous. So even if you know, call that number. So we spoke earlier in the uh, episode about, you know, we may take a week here or two there off because we're working really hard on putting connections together for all this stuff. And it's just, it's, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like it's making us crazy. I mean, I I can't speak 100% for any, but some days I wake up and I'm like, I I can't, I got to walk away from this right now because I'm just, it's driving me crazy. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. It's something that you can't, when you get deep into some of these stories and it's, some things are so unexplained, um, you you kind of have to back off from it or it will your your thoughts start going everywhere yeah so we have the whole first part of this series i guess it's it's going to be and there's going to be another part eventually even if we don't find anything we can at least put together 
certain things that we did find and present it to you guys. But the first part, we teased it already. It's about injured cold. Um, the man who was seen on Interstate 77 in 1966, who's believed to be from the planet Lanulos. But it, it started out as that, and it turned into something completely different. So we'll let you know if we're not going to do an episode during the week. But I just want to let you know that there are a slew of episodes that we put out uh, well, a year and a half ago. And since we deactivated one of the accounts that we had them on, I may go back and have like a throwback week where we go ahead and re-air one of those episodes that we did way back in the beginning of the Serial Spirits podcast. Um, But we're closing in on episode 50, guys. And if there's a story that you want to hear, I mean, please, by all means, email us, serialspirits at AOL.com. We are looking for whatever stories, whatever interests you guys. And Annie, I know you're still looking for cryptid stories too, cryptids, aliens for uh, Serial Spirits Live, right? I was so fortunate to have our good friends, Jerry and Tracy Polly, who are the host of Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast on for the first part of that series. We talked about cryptids in Appalachia. So if you guys are on Facebook, go over there, follow Paranormal Warehouse. You can catch up on all those shows there. And it is a possibility that, you know, like if you've been seeing on our feed that we've been airing some of these Serial Spirits Alive's. Uh, just the audio, because I know there's some people who say that they can't find the live feed or that they just don't have time to watch the video. It gives you a chance to be able to hear some of these interviews. Like uh, last week, we released uh, the live audio of Annie's interview with Chad Lindbergh. He's a friend of ours. He's an actor uh, best known for Supernatural and Fast and the Furious. But, you know, we, we I did an interview with him. Annie did an interview with him, and we just released that audio. So, if there's a chance that you don't get to watch these things, you know, you'll you'll probably be able to hear it on the feed too as an audio file. So look for that as well, but hit us up, give us your cryptid stories. And if you like what you hear on Serial Spirits Podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. You guys don't know how much we appreciate those and how important that is to the podcast, helping the podcast get distributed to other places. We'll read your five-star reviews online if you leave one. We've had some amazing ones lately. We are so appreciative of each and every one of those and for all of our listeners. When we started this, you know, we didn't think it was this much work. I knew podcasting was a lot of work, but a lot of people have teams and they, you know, have people that, that help them research. And the bigger the podcast is, the more people work on it. But when you're sitting here and you're doing an indie podcast and it's a lot of work and, you know, we put a lot of time and our heart and soul into looking up some of these stories and me and Andy like doing it. We love it. And to see you guys get on there and say that you think the sound is incredible, you think the topics are incredible, you like the chemistry between me and Andy. I mean, that really does mean a lot to us because this is us. This is who we are in real life. Like you hear a voice every week, but we're not joking. Like we're this weird and, and, and creepy and funny, I guess. I think I'm funny. You think you're funny? <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> but this is us in real life. So it we really, really do appreciate you guys listening to us every week and telling us how you feel about it. Like it does. It means the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's going to go ahead and do it for us this week, guys. Until next time, we'll see you when we see you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits podcast. Follow us on all your social media apps. 
facebook.com slash Serial Spirits, on Twitter at Serial Spirits. Listen to us on all podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you subscribe. Follow us on our mothership at paranormalwarehouse.com. Until next time, be aware and be safe.